Good morning, everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I want you to turn to somebody and say, this is a good day. Oh, my Lord. I was going to go from good to great, but I think y'all have stopped at good. But you know what? People came in today and said, it's cold. It is cold. But I'm going to remind you of that in July. I enjoy this weather. I really do. I enjoy this weather. Come on, just bundle up and come on out and come to church. And you're in the house of God today. Give yourself a hand. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. <laughs> what a joy to see you. And, and if you're a first-time guest, second-time guest, or you just happen to just stumble in here today, you don't even know where you are, we're happy to have you. We really, really are. I'm Rex, Pastor Rex. I'm senior pastor here. And uh, I guess I'm a senior citizen, so I'm a senior pastor. I know some of you think I look about 45, and I'm, I'm 46, really. And uh, a woman came up to me today and said, Pastor, this is my birthday. Thanks for preaching to me today. She, I said, well, you look about 22. She said, I'm 49. Boy, I got by with that one. Hallelujah. That was a good one. Turn to somebody beside you and say, I'm glad to see you today in God's house. And while you're doing that, right over here to my right, Brother Darren, would you stand up? Would you come? Would you run up here right quick? I know you can run. Darren's my buddy. Darren and his wife are members of our church, the Roberts family. And this is the man that's going to be speaking Friday night right here. I love you, buddy. I love you, son. I love you, son. Hey, I don't want to spoil it, but I could preach his story probably better than he can. You probably can. Because I would throw stuff in that he won't throw in. He's so humble. But what a man of God we're going to hear Friday night. This is him, a professor at the University of Texas. Played in, I worked in the NFL, coached for several years in the NFL with Kansas City Chiefs. You're going to love him. He's going to be a blessing to us Friday night. So go sign up. I love you, Thank brother. You. Love I you, love you, man. Yeah. I love you. All right. All right. There we got it. Now, would you stand on your feet all over the building? I'm not going to be lengthy today. I'm going to be like Henry VIII told his fifth wife. I won't hold you long. All right. All right. All right. All right. Hallelujah. I get tickled at myself. I'm like that old man on the train. Young man was sitting across from him. I've told this many times, but it just hits my mind sometimes. The old man just started snickering, snickering. And after a while, he chuckled out loud. And the young man said, sir, what are you doing? I said, you're over there just kind of snickering. Then you just chuckled out loud. He said, well, he said, when I go on trips by myself, I tell myself jokes. <laughs> and the young man said, well, you chuckled a while ago. He said, yeah, I never heard that one. <laughs> That's cute. I don't care if it's Sunday or Wednesday. That's a good joke. We're in a series here called World War Me, World War Me, not World War Three. We don't want to do it, but World War Me. We're fighting for things in our own life. And my mic is sideways. They just flashed me a little sign there. That's why that TV's right in front of me. Is that better? All right, turn me down. Nobody has ever said that to a sound man in the history of church. Turn me down, but I, I don't like to be too loud. All right, thank you very much. And we're battling for things. Pastor Brad spoke the first Sunday about our thinking, how it influences our lives. And last week, Pastor Reed talked about our words and how the weightiness of words affect our future. And today, I'm going to talk about actions. I'm going to talk about actions because words provided by thoughts produce actions. And so I'm speaking of actions. By the way, today's Reed's first first service in his church out there in Snyder. So why don't we just kind of wave at him and... He's probably watching online or he'll watch a little bit later. Reed, we love you. Do good today. I bet he was up. I bet he was up by five o'clock this morning. Nervous, nervous as a long tail cat in a room full of rockers. I guarantee you he was. 
And I promise you, he is nervous right now because he's getting ready to deliver the word of God. But we love you, Reed, and we're praying for you. And you're, you're a favorite son of ours here at CLC. You may be seated. God bless you in the name of the Lord. If all of our love for God amounts to is thoughts and words, then life is just good intentions. And the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And when thinking and speaking doesn't change, lead to changed lives, we become talkers and not walkers. We're just another person who thinks it, speaks it, but doesn't do it. James said, faith without works is dead. It's dead. We need a living, vibrant faith. So how do we get there? I found a scripture I want to share with you today that is so complete and it's so short. You don't have to listen to it for a long time. It's very short. First Thessalonians 5 and 5 in the message versions, Peterson said this, your sons of light, daughters of day, your sons of light, daughters of day. Would you repeat that? Sons of light, daughters of day. I think we need to speak those things into our world. See, the Lord calls us that. He's saying to us, you are not your pain. You're not your past. You're not your guilt. You're not your shame. You're not your family of origin. You're not your dysfunction. You're not your overeating tendencies with bluebell. You're not your obsessive compulsive. You're not all of that. But you are a son of the light and a daughter of the day. And when the enemy gets us to identify with, with our mistakes, he keeps us crippled in a downward spiral of disorder. He really does. So stop for just a second and get a grip on this. I'm going to give you seven words right now. I am who God says I am. I am. I want you to get a hold of that. You know, this smattering of applause is not good enough for me. It's not good enough for him. I want you to hear it. I am who God says I am. There's no lie in him. He's always true. Amen. And it flips the script. It changes the game. And we're just seven words in. See, the sky is open. And we know where we stand. There's no more sleepwalking through life. Eyes are open. We start living. And it's smart living. Creatures of the day need to act. Everybody say act. Like that. Jesus died for us, folks. And his death triggered our life. So 1 Thessalonians 5 and 8, I'm going to have a lot of scriptures today. Since we're creatures of the day, let's act like it. Let's act like we're creatures of the day. And the synopsis of this message, if I could put it in one sentence, is your daily activity should come from your new identity. Your daily activity should come from your new identity. I choose now to do tomorrow based on my day-to-day activity from my brand new identity. Everybody say, I got a brand new identity. And if we're going to do that, we can't do it alone. The days of the Lone Ranger are over, and he even had Tonto. But I read about a man who studied and wrote about wolves. And I know wolves are predators to sheep, and we're called the flock, the sheep of the Lord. But I discovered something, that every wolf has a pack, a P-A-C-K. They have a pack. And they're social creatures, believe it or not. They get tickled over the fact they're going to get, eat, eat, eat another lamb. They get excited about that. And their olfactory organs are a hundred times better than humans. They can smell, folks, before you can ever see them. They can smell you where you are. And that's a power I would never want because I smell too much anyhow in my life. But my wife, my wife has that superpower. She's a superpower. Her olfactory graduated college with a doctor's degree, summa cum laude. She can smell. Her smeller 
is, is, is number one. And if it's in the room and it stinks, she can smell it. We've been places before and she'll just do like this to me, you know, like, do you smell something? I said, oh, no. She said, I do. We're driving down the road the other day. She said, do you smell that? I said, no, ma'am, I don't. Thank God I don't. She said, there's some natural gas out there somewhere. Somebody has some oil well somewhere. And believe it or not, in a little while we got to those oil wells and we knew where that smell was coming from. She can smell it. You know, I thought when I married her, I got a fox. But I realized I got a little wolf. And she can smell, and every now and then she howls at me. She don't do preaching here, but she does it at the house. She can howl at me. But these wolves have what I call familial devotion. They are family. They are the strength of the wolf is the pack, and the pack is the strength of the wolf. They stick together. They fight for each other. And a lone wolf has no protection. I'm from a school called the Leveland Lobos, and a lobo is a lone wolf. And I always thought it was a great thing to be a lobo, but now I don't want to be a lobo. I want to be in a pack. Because another pack could take him down. So I'm going I'm to preach three little things here today. Number one, everybody say life, life. is better, better. Together. together. Everybody say we need a pack. We need to, be, we need to be together. It's good to come together in the house of God. It's a great thing to worship in the house of God together. Let me just say we all need a church. We need a church. This is our pack. This is our flock. And if you're a, a, a goose, a, a geese, this is our gaggle. This is what we are. Who are the people in church that you're doing life with? That's a serious thought to consider. Have you, have you ever heard this before? You are the average of the five people that you're closest to. Wow, now listen to this. So financially, where you are right now, the five people's incomes that you run with, the closest friends, if they're average, that's pretty close to your income. And spiritually, you average the five spiritual zeal people in your life and, and, and the five that you have in your life, you're closest to that, that's your average. So if you have richer friends, <laughs> you'll become richer. Find you some friends. Don't come to me. I don't want to have any. <laughs> but if you're looking for a spiritual life, find you some spiritual friends. Quit running with people that don't want to worship in the spirit. It makes sense if you're going to do life with people, you're going to end up where they are going. I've said it for years. Show me your friends and I will show you your future. And that's a fact. If you want to get fascinated with something, hang out with people that are interested in the thing that you're fascinated with. We must fight, folks. We have to fight to live as creatures of the day. Everybody say, this is my pack. This is my, this is my flock. This is what I want to be a part of. See, you get habituated to a, a, an environment and soon water seeks its own level. And who you hang with will either take you closer to the love of Jesus Christ or away from the love of Jesus Christ. It all depends on who you're with. And you'll laugh at the same things they laugh at. In fact, they've done studies. There's studies that have been done. If you're hooked up to a brain scan, they literally see your brain waves get in sync with the people that you're hanging out with most often. You have the same brain waves. That's, that's not good. You got to be careful. We must be in a position to reach all manner of people in the world. But the people we're closest to, our pack, our flock, you will, you will end up where they are going. So pick somebody that's rich <laughs> and pick somebody that's spiritual. Come on, let's get on the right track together. Let's, let's get on the right track together. This is why churches must employ things like small group ministry. It's very effective. Just getting together, whatever life allows, praying together, encouraging each other, texting each other. Sharing verses to help each other out because the power of the pack, the power of the flock is very awesome. 
You can go to heaven from a church like this. I didn't grow up in a church where that was normal. But I love our life groups. And I love our Wednesday nights. And if you've never come to a Wednesday night, you owe it to yourself to come to a Wednesday night. I heard about an old man one time, an old cowboy out in New Mexico. It was a real cold, snowy night. And, and the cowboy walked in to a church service and there was nobody else there. He's the only one who showed up. Kind of like today it was cold and there's a golf tournament going on out there at Dale. And if Tiger Wood would have been out there today still playing, I'd have been saying, oh God, here's the church, here's the steeple, open the door, where's the people, you know. <laughs> but this guy walked in, he sat down and the pastor come in and he saw this one cowboy there and he said, well, there ain't no sense in preaching. So he got up and he said, you know, I was going to preach tonight, but nobody showed up. And that old cowboy raised his hand. He said, I did, preacher. And he said, you know, if one cow shows up, I feed her. And the old, the old preacher got convicted. <laughs> And he got up and he just preached, let his hair down, just threw everything he had at that one man. And when he got through, the old cowboy raised his hand, can I, can I say something, Pastor? He said, yeah. He said, if one cow shows up, I don't give her the whole load. <laughs> Turn to somebody and say, I'm glad you're here today. It matters who we hang with. Come on. I'm, I'm glad you're here today. We do 7.30 on Wednesday night. I love to see you. We're starting a brand new Easter series. Let's be in the house of God. Let's do Wednesdays great in Austin, Texas. Amen. I love you. Then there's the second thing. We need to take thought about our posture. Posture. Now, I, I, I'm not a health teacher. I'm not a gym teacher. But what do I mean by posture? It's literally the things your mom was always harping on you about. Like stand up straight. Get your hands out of your pockets. Quit looking at the ground. My mother said, you're going to run into a building and it's going gonna, it's gonna to damage your brain for the rest of your life. That's how my mama preached to me. And that got me from looking to the ground. But I always found some money when I looked to the ground. <laughs> what are your facial expressions? What are, you, what are they saying? What's your resting face look like? You know, my wife one day said, baby, I need to correct you. And I said, what? She said, when you're studying, your bottom lip is out here. <laughs> Folks, for that fox that I married, I pulled it back. Amen. Because I don't want her to come over there and have to kiss a lip sticking out on the bottom. You understand what I'm saying? So I pulled it in. How did mama know when I had a scowl on my face or a smirk or a rebellious face and she wasn't even looking at me? And mama always had this statement. You better hope I don't pray for God to freeze your face in that look right now. <laughs> because nobody would want to marry you. There's not a girl on this planet that would want to marry you if you had a face like that. You better turn that frown into a, a smile right now. Your mama say that? She's a good mama. What's your body language saying to people? Does it have pleasantness? Does it have madness, anger, sadness, hurt, bitterness, arrogance? Some people have what I call calloused faces. They really do. They have been looking a certain way so long it's become the norm. So what is your resting face? If you're going to have wrinkles in your forehead, have smile wrinkles and not frown wrinkles. You know, it takes 107 muscles to frown and only 90 to smile. So why don't you get lazy and get happy? Come on now, let's smile a little bit. Come on, smile a little bit. It's Sunday morning. We're in the house of God. Hey. We're sons of the light and daughters of the day. Let's do that right now. Let's act like it. You know, guitar players have calluses right here on their fingers. And there's some people have calluses even closer to their fingernails because they've always been doing this. Like an AR-15. You can tell how bad or how good life's going right there. So I'm, I want to ask you, what are your ticks? What, what ticks you? What does your posture say about you? How do you carry yourself? I want to tell you, we all, we all need three spirits in our lives. We need an alpha spirit. Everybody say an alpha spirit. 
We need a spirit of nobility to get a hold of us. We are noble people. We belong to Jesus Christ. Come on, let's be noble about it. Let's go around the world acting like that we belong to something greater than what we're facing in this earth. We belong to a higher calling. We belong to the spirit of another world. Let's start acting like that. Come on, lift your face up. Get your hands out of your pocket. Lift your hands up and praise the Lord. And let's, let's show that we are noble people in the kingdom of God. And let's have a beta spirit. Let's have a beta spirit. We need to have illuminations in our life. We need to be peacemakers. We need to go around and tell people that, hey, there's something better that I, I know about that you need in your life. And the last but not least, we need an omega spirit in our life. We need all three of these. And an omega spirit says, you know what? It don't matter if I just get the wing. It doesn't matter if I'm not honored today. It doesn't matter if things don't go right. I'm going to be happy and I'm going to make everybody else happy. We need that in our life. We need to stand noble. We need to be peacemakers and we need to laugh easily. Come on. It's time for us to have the right posture in our life. Turn to your wife and say, he's talking to you right now. She's probably already been hitting you in in the ribs. You know... You don't have to be on cloud nine all the time, but with Jesus in your life, you need to live an elevated life. No one needs to go around with your dapper down and in the mully grubs all the time. Let me talk to you a little bit about stress. Yes, I'm going to talk about that. I, I just wonder if you understood how important this stuff is, even stress in your body. You need to Google this. I'm not a doctor. I, I pastor many doctors and there's some in the building right now. And they'll come see me if I'm telling something that's not true. But many doctor's visits in America are caused by stress. Pure stress. Sicknesses are caused by stress. That's not good. Stress even as a carcinogen. You know, cancer causing, those things. Stress can move you toward heart disease. Stress equals tons of medical issues. Somebody say amen to that. Think about this. When you carry yourself in a nervous way and when you're sensitive to everything on earth, when everything bothers you and everything gets you down and you're always in the mully grows because somebody didn't say the right thing about you, you're afraid you're going to get hurt, you're afraid that people are talking negatively about you. If you did a saliva test right then after being like this for 15 minutes, it would send your cortisol rates through the roof. And this is causing, because it's causing you to feel stressed because you stand in stress, you're looking stressed, you're thinking stressed, and you're living stressed. You know what you need to do? Every now and then, when those shingles got a hold of this arm, I want to shake them out of me. I want to shake them out of me. You need to get that stress and get it out of you and shake it out because it's not the will of God for a child of God to walk around with stress in their life. It's the will of God for a child of God to walk around with joy in their heart and peace in their mind and glory in their heart. Come on, I'm I'm preaching to you right now. You need to stand up. You're a son of the light and you're a daughter of the day. Let's act like it. (laughs) You know, a lot of people wonder how it feels to be up here on Sunday morning. I tell you what, it's a scary thing. When I stand over here sometime and it's time to come preach, I say, oh God. 70, 75% of these people out here are smarter than I am. Oh God. What am I going to do today? Oh, God. And I walk out here. Back when I was a young preacher, I used to hate Sundays. I used to hate them. In fact, I loved preaching, but I hated the pre- 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 preparation for preaching because I didn't eat four to six hours before I preached simply because I heaved every night before I preached. I'd go to the bathroom. I'd be preaching revival, and they'd say, go get Brother Rex. It's time for him to preach. He's in the bathroom. I'd be, I'd be dry heaving. I mean, I know that sounds horrible to visitors, but that's what would happen to me. I was scared to death. I didn't think I, somebody liked it, amen. <laughs> I was scared to death. I didn't, know, I didn't know how to handle that. In fact, in fact it, was, it got to a point where I thought, I've got, I've got to go seek some help because I would get so nervous and so, so down on the fact that I didn't have enough to say. And one night in 1983, I was preaching a, a, a conference 
in Louisville, Kentucky, in Freedom Hall, where the Louisville Cardinals play. And there were 22,000 people there on a Thursday night, and I was the keynote speaker, and I was 33 years old. And I was scared out of my mind. I thought I had enough, but then I got to thinking, 70%, 75% of this crowd is ministers. And they're going to either go home and say, that was the worst night I've ever spent in Freedom Hall. I got bound that night in Freedom Hall. I didn't get any freedom. Or they're going to go home and say, you know, it's pretty good. And I'm sitting on the platform. This happened, folks. I'm sitting on the platform in a, in a beautiful black suit that I had just got for the, for the, for the conference. And, 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 and I looked down and I had a rip in my pants. Right here. Right there. And I'm 10 minutes from the platform. The choir's going to sing and I've got to speak. And so Patty's sitting over here up in the balcony over here on the left side in the, in the stands. And she looks at me and I said, I've got to go. And she said, oh God, he's sick. He's going to go heave some more. But it wasn't the heaves that I had. It was something I needed to sew up. And I go to the bathroom and there was a gentle old man in that bathroom, an older man. And he was a superintendent of a state. This is so funny. And he said, Brother Rex, stay in there. Just pull your pants off, turn them on inside out. I'll be back in a little while with some safety pins. And we'll pin that thing up and you'll go out there and preach like you've never preached in your life. And for one time in my life, I got tickled at my circumstance. And the joy of being in this position thinking, I'm fixing to preach to 22,000 people. And I'm in here with ripped britches. I've already ripped my pants before I ever said a word. And I, I, I tied those things up with four safety pins. And you know what? After that night was over, we had great service that night, by the way. And after that night, that service was over, I kept those safety pins for a long time. And I don't know where they are now. They're probably somewhere in a hope chest, hoping it never happens again. But here's what I want to tell you. When you feel that coming on your life, what you need to do is just laugh at it and say, you know what? I'm a son of the light. I'm a daughter of the day. And I'm going to have nobility in my life. I'm going to fix things in my life. I'm going to laugh at my situation because God... God is greater than anything that is coming against me in my life. Come on, clap your hands and rejoice to that. The book of Psalms never says to stand with your hands in your pocket, looking at the ground while you complain to God. The Bible said he's a lifter of your head. Say, he lifts my head. He wants you to raise your hands to him. I'm talking about worship. He wants you to shout on him with a voice of triumph. He wants you to clap your hands, all your people. There's something freeing about a body language of power. Even when you don't feel like it, you've got to walk. You've got to worship. You've got to throw your head back. Pardon the expression. You've got to howl to the Lord. I read about Wall Street brokers. They're in such stress. They live in such stress that they, they found this exercise several years ago. They'd go out in the woods up there in New York. They'd go out in a certain area, in a secluded area, and they'd have howling contests. They would howl like wolves. They'd just, oh, and they'd throw their hands around and all that kind of stuff. And I'm not asking people to start breaking into a howl here today. But I'm just saying when you have an opportunity to come to a church that you don't have to be silent in, that you can clap your hands in, that you can raise your hands to a God in, that you can say amen in. Why don't you go ahead and use that privilege today and just say, I'm going to love the Lord and I'm going to shake this all this stuff out of my body. I'm not going to leave here stressed. I'm going to walk out of here feeling the peace of God that I know is for me in my life. Amen. It is said that the same saliva test after 15 minutes like this or like an Olympic champion who's just won the gold medal they say your testosterone rates and your blood soars and you feel strong. So it's important that we give thought to our posture. We don't need stress in our life, wrecking our walk with God. Let me go one step further. 
Most Americans live in a perpetual state of shallow breathing. I know I sound like a health coach here. You're probably breathing shallow right now. Most of you are saying, God, what's he saying? What's he saying? But unless you're breathing deep enough to bulge out your stomach like a bluebell stomach, which causes diaphragmatic breathing, then you're not getting the proper amount of oxygen. And so a lot of us live in this continual state of dehydration and our blood starving for more oxygen. So what does your heart do? Well, it pumps faster because it does. And what does that cause your mind to do? It causes your mind to get more fuzzy. At 120 beats a minute, your mind loses sharpness. At 150 beats a minute, your mind basically shuts down and you don't know what you're doing right then. And so many times when we get into these frizzled moments in our life, let me preach to you right now. We get in these frizzled, frazzled moments and we say, oh God, what are we going to do? I'm in this traffic. I got to get my kids at school. My God, he's just a first grader. I don't know. (laughs) And all of a sudden, you're, you're taking those shallow breaths and you're, why don't you just stop? And relax just a minute. I know I don't preach like this all the time, but I need to do it right now. And just exhale <laughs> and inhale. And don't have, don't have marijuana on, on, your, on your mouth when you do it. <laughs> God's free air. Let it go. Come on. Breathe it and let it go. Breathe it and let it go. I had somebody tell me years ago that if you'll take 15 deep breaths ever so often in your day, all of a sudden your mind gets more clear because when your heart's racing that fast and your blood and you're, you're being strangulated really in, in all your processes in life, your mind is not focused. And when you get away from the situation you're in, you'll say, why didn't I say that? You, could, you couldn't think of that when you was in that situation because your mind was gone, because your heart was racing too fast, because you wasn't getting enough air in your bloodstream. What I want to tell you is that when you come into the presence of God, You don't have to walk in this house saying, oh God, will I be accepted? Oh God, will anybody love me? You're loved when you walk in this house. You're appreciated because you made an endeavor to be in the house of God today. Why don't you take a deep breath and say, I'm going to relax a little bit in God's house today. It's a great place to be. Come on, lift up your hands and rejoice and say, I'm going to relax and enjoy the blessings of God in my life today. Amen. Amen. God, sometimes, you know... We, we see things and something happens in our life. We say, God, why did that happen? God wasn't in that. God, why'd you let the devil? That wasn't the devil. That wasn't the Holy Ghost and it wasn't the devil. It wasn't either one. I think sometimes we pray for things that God says, this is on you, okay? This is you. God doesn't even show up, folks, till things are impossible. And we get into possible things sometimes that we think are impossible and they're not impossible. But if you could just get your breath, you could stand up tall, if you could realize I'm a daughter of the day, I'm a son of the light, All of a sudden, you start thinking different about every situation in your life. And I want you to do that because it's all right here. And it's all what you speak and how you act it. So I want you to stand up, not now, but this week, when things are in your life. See, some people can't get jobs because they walk in and they say, you know, I just don't know how I'm going to do this. I don't know what's going to happen in my life. I don't understand what's going to happen today, tomorrow. I don't get it. But why don't you just stand up and say, I am a son of the light. I'm a daughter of the day. And God is for me. And if he's for me, there's nobody can be against me that's greater than the one that's for me. And I'm going to walk in that. I'm going to be an alpha. 
I'm going to be a beta. I'm going to be an omega. I'm going to be everything that God wants me to be because I believe that when he said he's with me, he'll be with me even to the end of the world. And I'm not going to frustrate. I'm not going to worry. I'm going to stand tall and I'm preaching right now. And somebody needs to take a deep breath and say hallelujah to that. Amen. See, there's a whole lot of difference between knowing what to do and doing what you know. Jesus died for a life that I'm speaking about right now. So mind your pack. Everybody say, I'm, I'm glad to be in church. Mind your posture. Say, I'm tired of stress. I'm tired of this shallow breathing causing me to not have the right thoughts. And while you're at it, give some thought to your pregame. I want to talk about pregame, then I'll let you go. Everybody say pregame. I'm speaking about not what happens on the court when the clock's ticking down. By the way, by the way, I was raised in West Texas. I was raised in West Texas. How about them Red Raiders? I used to, when I was, (laughs) when I was a kid, I would cry when they lost. And this awesome Texas team back in the day, they used to take us down every year in Texas A&M. And I hated Texas. And I hated Texas A&M. And now I live in Austin and Pastor Aggies. <laughs> and I'm so in love with y'all. But I used to cry because Texas Tech just wasn't on the level. But oh, they're going to the final four. <laughs> I'm going to breathe deep. I'm going to say thank you, Lord. Amen. That's all I got to say about that. Listen to what I'm about to say. You know what happens when wolves get ready to hunt? They often gather together to howl before setting off for the hunt. Apparently, it's kind of a morale-boosting exercise. And this, type, and this type of howl follows often a rally in which an exuberant display of affection in which wolves leap on one another, a dog wolf pile. <laughs> a dog pile. They just jump on each other and just have a great, great time, tails wagging and thinking, we're fixed to go hunt and kill something, get something for supper. I love what I get to do here. So I just wonder if wolves have the common sense, if something as mean and as menacing as a wolf has the common sense to do something that will fire them up before a game. What about people that are walking in the light? Those wolves are menacing. They're mean. They look at you. You tremble when you see one, one one-on-one. But I declare to you, there's something ought to happen to us as a child of God. When we walk into his presence or when we get up in the morning and you start going through your day and you start wondering what's going to happen. Hey, that tense meeting is going to take place today, pastor. I've got to meet with my boss. I don't know what it's about. Why don't you think it's going to be a raise? Why don't you start thinking the good things that God has blessed you with? You know, you brush your hair, you brush your teeth, I hope, when you go into a meeting. But what about your heart? Why don't you speak scripture over your heart before you go into a meeting? Why don't you take time to listen to a worship song? I get the worship songs from Randy. He sends them to me weekly now. He sends them to me. And I, I got a hold of a worship song last week. And, I, you know, I know it's, it's about my kids singing, but my daughter was singing the lead on it. And, and I get to going down the road and... And I play that worship song. I've played it about six times because it does something to me. And when I hear that worship song, I can get outside of my truck. I could have a Chinese fire drill at any red light. 
and get out and run around my car and get back in and say hallelujah. Because there's something about a spiritual song that puts something in my spirit. What about speaking truth over yourself? What about speaking faith over your family? Why not do that? Why not give some time to your pregame when all you're doing is worried about the actual game? I promise you, God can give you preparation for the real game before the game ever starts. He wants to help you in your life. Oh, pastor, my stress day is going to start. God, I got to go by Starbucks. Yeah, you got to go by Starbucks. (laughs) This conference starts, this crazy carpool before things even get going. But you've got a pregame and it matters. Then I think we should also, if we're doing, we're going to act like creatures of the day. We should not be afraid to utilize props because actors use props. Everybody say, we need to act like children of the day. That ain't everybody. We need to act like children of the day. So if you're going to act like it, then that's an actor, isn't it? That's an actor. And actors use props. Everything on a movie set or a Broadway show has been carefully curated and has been placed there by a prop master. And this is actually in the text. It really, really is. There's a wardrobe. I want you to listen to this wardrobe that you you should wear every day. We're to go about acting as creatures of the day. Dressed up in faith. Dressed up in love. And dressed up in the hope of salvation. Dressed up in faith, dressed up in love, and dressed up in the hope of salvation. What does that mean? See, some things are not going to be natively there. We're going to have to put them there. And many times they'll fall off of us because of stuff in our life, but we've got to put them back on. Put on the whole armor of God. We've got to put it on. We've got to put it on. It's not going to be there. We've got to put it on. You slip back into rage. What am I wearing? This is totally inappropriate for the scene that I'm in. But you need to remind yourself, I'm a creature of the day. Come on, faith. Come on, love. Come on, hope of salvation. Come on. Let's get it going today. I'm the son of the light. I'm a daughter of the day. I need some hope on. I need some faith on. I need some love on. I need my props. I need my props because I'm acting as if I am a child of God. I heard about a, heard about a shepherd one time that was greeted by a pastor. And I've told this story before, but I want to tell it again today before service is over. And the pastor walked up to him and said, how many sheep do you have today? And the old shepherd said, I got 225, had two lambs born this morning. He said, well, you, they all look alike to me. How do you tell them apart or how do you call them? He said, well, I, all of them have a name. They all have a name. So that right there is Billy and that's Charlie and that's Lucy over there. And so that's Brenda. That's, that's Emma. There's Patty. She's my favorite. Patty's my favorite. So he started calling these lambs to him, and they all came to him, the little ewe lambs, little rams. They came to him. And so the, shepherd, so the pastor said, well, how do you tell them apart? He said, oh, that's, that's even easier. He said, see that right there? She's got a crooked nose because she put her nose where it shouldn't have been. See that right there? He's got a, little, he's got a hook in his leg. He's got a, little, got a little club foot there. See, that one's got a crooked tail. See that right there? He's got no, no, no wool between his, between his little head there because he's been butting people. And he said, I know them all. And so the pastor looked at him and said, so you know these animals by their infirmities, don't you? And he said, yes, I do. He said, but pastor, don't ever forget, I call them by their name. Now listen to me. I, I, I want to preach right now, then I'm going to close. Randy, help me. I want to preach right now, I'm going to close. I don't care what you're carrying today. I don't care what's holding you back today mentally in your mind. It's time to step up to the plate and say, he doesn't call me by my infirmities. He calls me by my name. 
And every one of you, oh hallelujah, every one of you are special to Him. Every one of you matter to Him. Every one of you, He loves you. He loves you. He wants you to have the best in life. My mama used to journal a little bit. I loved to read her journal and she could also write very proper and it was very special. She was a school teacher for a long, long time. I made her her first paddle. She never used it. There's this thing about fear. Fear is faith in the enemy, not in God. It's faith in the enemy. You need to journal the things that are good in your life. And some of you, you say, Pastor, I can't journal. It would seem so fake to me. I've got to be me and I've got to live my truth and I've got to be on my journey. And I get that. I feel you. There's some things that are good about that. But at the end of the day, I'm not calling you to try and pretend you're something that you're not. I'm calling you to live like something that God says you are. When are you going to flip that switch? You know, a lot of people quote that John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But Paul spoke in Galatians 2 and 20, and I'm going to close with this. He said, I'm crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, I live in flesh by the faith of the Son of God who loved me. Watch this. Who loved me and gave himself for me. It's not whosoever will. It's me. I want you to get a me and God together. I want you to get a me and Jesus Christ together. I want you to understand he loves me. He loves you. He loves us today. That's an awesome thing about our God. He don't just love us all. He loves you. He loves me. He loves everybody here individually. That's so sweet to me. That's so precious to me. And all you people watching, you're watching wherever you are. He loves you wherever you are today. I got to quit. C.S. Lewis unpacked it when he said very often, The only way to get equality in reality is to start behaving as if you had it already. So if I'm a child of God, I'm going to start walking like one. If he loves me, I'm going to start walking in that love. I used to always love my dad, put his arm around me. I'm my dad's boy. I love my dad. He'd always put his arm around me. He'd hug me up close. He said, I'm glad you were born. That's so tough. Daddy wasn't big on the love word, but he said, I was glad you were born, son. Daddy, I am too. He's about six foot four, six five. Not a little old kid. I am too. I wish some of y'all could meet my daddy. I think I got a phone call from him last night. I didn't, I didn't answer it because he loved Texas Tech so much. I think he called me last night from heaven. <laughs> he was so excited, part of that tech one. That's just another thing that I... But I'd like for you to meet my heavenly father. I'd like for you, if you have not met him, I'd like for you to meet him. He's pretty special. He'll wrap his arm around you and say, I'm glad you were born. There's some people won't say that about you, but my heavenly father, he'll say that about you. I'm glad you were born. And today, we need to relish that and accept that and receive that. Would you stand all over the building? I love you so much. It's almost time for church to be out. Just give me, we've got three minutes. Would you give me three minutes?
want you to bow your heads and close your eyes and I want to I pray for you today. And when we get our new building, you like what's going on next door? Y'all like that? It's pretty cool, isn't it? Pretty cool, isn't it? Pretty neat. Next year when we get it in Easter time, we're going to be in it about Easter time next year, so it's be the last year we'll have this church to worship in at Easter. But it's just a, just a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. But the bottom line is that I want to bless you today. I want to tell you how much Jesus loves you today. I want you to understand that it's not a collective people. It's not, well, she's better than me and I don't deserve the love. No, 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 no. You are a son of light. You are a daughter of the day. It didn't say daughters. It said son, daughter. And here's what I want to declare. I want to declare that upon you today. I want to prophesy that over you today. I want you to raise your hands right now in this house and receive it. Dear Father, I bless this congregation right now. I bless them in the name that's above every name, the name of Jesus. God, I want you to hug them close today, and I want them to hear you say, I'm glad you were born. I'm glad you're in my house today, and I'm glad you're calling on my name and lifting up your hands to me today, and I honor that, and I bless you today in the name of the Lord. There's a blessing on this house right now. I want you to say, Lord, I receive it right now. There's a blessing on this house. This is a favorite house in Austin, Texas. And I want you to receive that right now. Receive it in the name of the Lord. I receive that into myself. I receive that into my heart. I receive that into my today. I receive that into my tomorrows. I receive the favor and the blessing of God on my life today. And you that are watching via stream, we honor that today. And I bless you in the name of the Lord. I bless you wherever you are today in Jesus' name. May the favor and the grace of God be upon you. Everybody say, it's thoughts, it's words, it's actions. Say, thank God, because I have a pack here. I've got a flock. There's a flock that I can be with. Thank God, I can make my posture right. And thank you, Lord, for dressing me up before I go out to meet my day. In Jesus' name, amen. Clap your hands and receive the word today. Receive the word.